Hello guys, welcome here. We're in March. It's March Madness, baby. <laughs> I'm sorry. Poor time joke. Um, by the way, we hope Dickie V's still doing better. Um, vocal cord surgery just recently. But, yeah, we're back. We're closing in on Selection Sunday. Going to be a blast. And, of course, a lot going on in the world, but... We still have a lot of sports to talk about. Um, <laughs> we'll get to the Tinker Rundown. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I thought you said something. No, I said, yeah, you know it. I mean, there's still a lot of sports to talk out there. Yeah, but we will talk, of course, about the latest in the sports aspect of what's going on internationally. We will talk about a coach that is retiring and played his last home game or coached his last home game we'll also talk the MLB lockout and a tinkle on this out of turn 4 style but of course we kick it off with the rundown Jason I'll let you start I started last time alright so as everybody knows the news that's been going around it was even on um, ESPN NFL Live. Amari Cooper is soon um, to be released by the Cowboys. Is apparently due twenty million dollars on the on March twentieth. I don't know how. I would think that it's a signing bonus for the start of the league year. But because of you know everything that's going on, he's had five one thousand plus yard seasons. So the value is definitely very high on Amari Cooper. I mean, clearly why he's, you know, making as much money as he is. Now, the, the very good question is, is this the right move by the Cowboys? And two, if he was to get released by the Cowboys, where could he end up? If they made a mistake, it was they should have cut Ezekiel Elliott. He's not been anywhere what to what he should be for what he's paid. Yeah. Um, now... I mean, I get Michael Gallup has been a great asset to the team. Um, mm -hmm. I'm pretty know, sure he's a free agent anyway. Yeah, he's supposedly about, from what I read before we started, he is very close to signing. Um, but then you look at CeeDee Lamb, he's entering year three. Chances are he's going to make a bigger, you know, this, is, this has got to be that he is going to um, progress big time. Oh, I would think so. Um, but as far as Amari Cooper goes, I'm telling you right now, I fully expect him to play in the NFC East next year. He's going to play mm -hmm. with either the Eagles, the Giants, or the Commanders. Because, um, let's face it, we've seen this all too many times where a player gets released because he was due a lot of money, and he said, okay, well, now I'm going to go to a team where I have to play you two times a year and be a thorn in your backside. Right. So I I would more bet toward the Eagles because Jalen Rager is not good at all. And I think the Eagles are starting to catch on. I mean, honestly, the Eagles, like I was saying, you know, outside of this um, channel and show, the Eagles make the most sense only because you pair him and um, Devontae Smith together. I think he... 
I think we lost him. Alright, since we lost him, um... Yeah. Oh, there he is. I think. It's my internet. That's wonderful. So, next level. There's a lot... Franchise guy, is he somebody that can take that team to the next level? Honestly... As of right now, I think he can be with enough time. But the thing is, is, is Philadelphia willing to give him that kind of time to progress his game? Because there's been a lot of talks that... are talking Rager, right? No, we're talking about Jalen Hurts. Oh, we're talking about right. Jalen Hurts. You, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty, so that's why I just wanted to get that out there. I didn't want to stop oh. rolling, so... No, um, we were, I was talking about how it, if... Can Jalen Hurts be the guy to be able to help this team? Say, like, if they were to get Amari Cooper, can Jalen Hurts become a better quarterback with two of the best receivers? Jalen probably Hurts. in NFC West or NFC East. See, Jalen Hurts will get comparisons to Lamar Jackson, but uh, well, yeah. Jalen Hurts to me is more of a Kyler Murray. But I feel like he's in a better situation than Kyler Murray. He has better coaching, of course. I'll talk about that in my part. Um, but I feel like Jalen Hurts is going to have a breakout year. I, I can yeah. see it happening. He's already progressed big time with the running ability. But add right. another receiver in there, I, I'm telling you, I would not be shocked to see the Eagles make the next step forward. Yeah, I mean, I think they can. Um, because I think I already kind of saw that this past season. I mean, when they made that playoff appearance and were the second best team in the NFC East. So I, I think that they had the ability to do it. So, um, moving forward, it was also announced that Cole Beasley was granted the permission to seek a trade. Um, is this the right move by the Bills? I don't think so. I mean, I would love to see Buffalo keep all the receivers that they have, but unfortunately they are in the negatives and cat space, so something has to be done. Mm -hmm. And the better question is, who could they get in return? Honestly, at this thing, at this point, I think that would what would matter the most, would make the most sense, is to be able to try to see if you can get a at least a second round or third round draft pick. Um, I know that right now Buffalo has a lot of interest in the Alabama receiver, and he's also said that he wants to be in Buffalo and play with Josh Allen. And if I know anything about Alabama court receivers, they usually do pretty damn well in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So who better to have than go to the Buffalo Bills where you got Josh Allen that can sling the football to you? So... You know, we got to see this past season what Jalen Wild could do. So, to have another Alabama receiver in there in the fold, I think, you know, would mean good things for Buffalo. So, it was shocking that that's what they're going to go in the route of getting rid of Cole Beasley. But, honestly, I would love to see what kind of trade value you can, you can get in them. Um, if you can get another player that can fill a spot 
fine. What I would love to see is him getting traded for like, because I know Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey have been in the fold of names for suitors for the Bills. So I would like to see Beasley kind of intertwine with maybe those two teams. Because I know both teams could probably use a receiver. I think the Giants more than the, the Carolina Panthers. And the Giants have oh. Kenny Galladay. So it's not a total... I mean, it would be a big upgrade for them, for sure. Like, I mean, Galladay's a decent receiver himself, but to add a second solid receiver and then on top of it, Sterling Shepard, that would be huge mm-hmm. for the Giants. But they need I... to focus O-line before they even look at a wide receiver. That... Yeah, no, but still, I mean, it wouldn't shock me because of the whole Buffalo connection between both teams, so I could probably see it happening. But as of right now, I don't think it's the best move for the Buffalo Bills. I'd love to see Isaiah McKenzie and Cole Beasley stay with a team. Yeah, you're in the negatives, but the only thing I can think of that would make the most sense is restructuring some contracts. Mm-hmm. Or training players right. that don't seem fit right now it's clear that cole beasley's not happy there though so they gotta do something and i think that's all because of everything that happened this past season with i don't want to go into full details but i think it's all because of his with everything with his vaccination status and then mckenzie having the game that he did in his absence the, the, the relationship is very strained all because of that I think this is the only reason why this is happening. If it wasn't because of that, Cole Beasley would not want to seek a trade and wouldn't want to lead the Buffalo Bills. And on top of the emergence of uh, Gabriel Davis, you got to add that in, too. Yeah, I think that's true, too. Um, you know, Buffalo's taking a very big risk. Like, you don't know if that could be just a one-game wonder type of guy. Because, I hate to say it, during a regular season, yeah, he had touchdowns, but he didn't have those kind of performances until that game. So, I don't know if he can end up, you know, having that third-year rise. I mean, anything can happen, but as of right now, I don't know. It's very tough. Don't get me wrong, Buffalo has some good depth at at wide receiver. So if they were to get they get rid of Cole Beasley and say get like a draft pick for him, I don't think it would be the worst option in the world. I just would hope that Buffalo would have with the first round pick that they have could possibly either move up or see if they can get a receiver at that spot. Even though I think that they could use a corner and defensive lineman as well. But we'll see what happens with that. I don't want to go into full details about it. I'm going to go to my third and final takeaway. Um, the Lakers are a dumpster fire. I think that's the best way I can say it. They are absolute dumpster fire. Anthony Davis has been injury prone. He's been hurt literally like three or four times this past this season. Um, they... Russell Westbrook has been literally the worst trade that they could have ever have imagined to have happened. And right now, literally, usually when LeBron, when you know another player or players are not playing well, 
usually LeBron's the saver. As of right now, the Lakers look like a team that is just giving up. There's seven or eight games under 500. They have a possibility of missing the playoffs for the second year in a row. Is it safe to say that LeBron is just not the same LeBron he has been during his uh, championship runs? I mean, it's still too soon, I guess, is the way to put it. I mean, yeah, it's a struggle, but also the West. I mean, look at the West. I mean, and then compare it to the Cavs when he had absolutely nobody with him. I mean, literally every player was supporting cast at best. Right. So, you know, this makes up for that year where, um, yeah, LeBron went to the finals in the East in a weak East with nobody around him. Right. I mean, he also made the finals with the, the with the Lakers in what twenty twenty. So I mean, but but in two full seasons, just after that has just been crazy for the Lakers. They just been got no answers, and and this is also a team that decided to do no trades during the trade deadline to. Um, there was rumors that maybe Westbrook could have been traded away, and I thought it would have happened because it would have made the most sense, but it didn't happen. They got to do um, something with Anthony Davis, though. The fact that he's getting hurt every single game that he touches the court is unacceptable. And it's not even and, ser- like. Oh, God. I would say it's not even serious injuries. It's He got his ring, and he's like, okay, you know what? I'm good. I know it, it's it, it's kind of crazy what's going on with that team right now. Um, not even to note that the egos are just too high on that team because the right now are too high. Yeah, that too. <laughs> no, I was also gonna say that I don't know if you saw, but the Lakers, their fans are booing them. Their own fans are yeah, heckling and they them. They deserve it. And you want to know something? They're fight. They're arguing with their own fans. They're they're getting in shouting matches with their own fans over it. This 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 team is just a disaster. And honestly, I mean, I hate to say it, it wouldn't shock me if you see LeBron leaving the Lakers before Bronny even touches the league. Honestly, because I know there's rumors that he wants to. His last year will be when Bronny is in the league, mm-hmm. where that could be anyone. Now, the question is, could teams use that? Okay, like, hey, all right, he wants the his last year will be when Bronny comes in. Could that be a selling point for teams to be like, you know what? If we bring in LeBron, or if we draft Bronny, we can lure LeBron in. I feel like that might be some team's strategy if he doesn't stay with the Lakers type of thing. But as of right now, uh, he even knows that this team is struggling and not going to go anywhere. When LeBron is admitting it himself, you know you got to hit the hit the um that button. Got to hit the the reset button and be like, well, what do we have to do to, you know, make changes to the team? Whether it's something with the GM, whether it's 
I I wouldn't put the blame on Frank Vogel at all. I mean, the the Lakers to me are slowly transitioning into the Cowboys of the NBA. <laughs> okay, they're slowly transitioning into that because rest in peace to Kobe, but they haven't been that relevant other than the championship year where Kobe passed away, unfortunately. Um, right. They haven't been relevant, really, Kobe's last three or four years. You know, to me, they're slowly turning into the Cowboys of basketball. You know, I mean, the Bulls the Bulls very much deserve that title, too. Okay? But mm -hmm. lately, it seems more like the Lakers, because the Lakers have the championships to back it up. Where the Bulls... Right have literally less than half of what the Lakers have. Yep, the Lakers and the Celtics are tied with 17, and the Bulls only, to my knowledge, only have six. That was all with Michael Jordan, too. So, all right, that's it with my takeaways. It is on to you. All right. Well, Rick Pitino, we've documented his return to Iona to be the basketball coach there. I've said before, great move. Um, he will put that team on the map, and I 100% agree. He has put that team on the map. Um, now, rumors have had it that he wants to, or that he is entertaining job offers from bigger teams. Um, one of them being the University of Massachusetts, mo most notably. Um, so, UMass, um, he has already turned down. Um, he's already turned down UMass. Chances are maybe he's going to stay at Iona. Um, I don't know for sure, but I, I certainly hope he stays at Iona. Okay. Cause he stays at Iona again, year three, he's brought in three years worth of recruits. Um, you know, essentially he's building what he wants to build. So, like I said, build the team you want to build, and that's a good thing. So, he can really put Iona, frankly, in the top 25, I think he could argue for. Whereas, if he goes elsewhere, I'm not saying he couldn't have the impact elsewhere. But I am going to say that I think he should stick around. Now look, I mean, Mark Few has done a good job with Gonzaga. He stayed there. Gonzaga wasn't really on the map. You know, like I said, mm. dude, you know, and he did that. Jim Beheim put Syracuse on the map. Why can't Rick Pitino, at least in his, you know, golden years, put Iona? Just saying. Who knows? <laughs> but speaking of... Jim Beheim. we know he's still got years to go, and he's stated in the past, I'll retire when I suck. Um, you know, he got in a shouting match with the reporter. Um, yeah, he got in a shouting match with the reporter last week when they played Duke. I'm sorry, my time's a little messed up. Last week when they played Duke, he got in a shouting match saying... I've answered this question 26,000 times. I'm not retiring. I had a recruit in the building today. I straight up told him he's not, 
he does not have to worry about that on not retiring. Um, but then a few days later, he goes on to ESPN or one of the radio shows, and he says, you know what? We got a successor named. I don't have say in this. But I'm not retiring yet. So there's some mixed messages coming out of Syracuse. I don't know. I think he's telling the truth where he's saying he's not retiring after this year. But is this the plan for the 2023-2024 season? That's going to be to be determined at this point. And, of course... Oh, sorry. I'll let you... See, I wanted to kind of chime in. I think it's going to be sooner later than later, honestly. I, I mean, you wouldn't be kind of giving those mixed rela- reactions to something like that if it wasn't going to happen sooner than later. Because every time they're like, okay, I'm not going to retire, but I have a successor in mind and all that other stuff, means, well, I'm not going to come out right out and say it, but, you know, the next season could be the last season, you know what I mean? But he could also be hinting at that because he doesn't want the big, you know, the big final show that Coach K's getting, which... You know, to do that to Syracuse, I mean, to do that is last year, I get it. You know, focus on the game as opposed to the retirement tour. Right. But to me, Coach K's balanced it nicely. You know, it's business, you know, business first for him in his final year. Um, As far as who I think that replacement is, unfortunately, here's the thing, I wanted Mike Hopkins from the University of Washington, of course, the longtime assistant to Jim Beheim, the guy who was supposed to succeed him, Buddy Beheim's freshman year. But unfortunately, that didn't work out that way. And as far as Jim Beheim saying, oh, I had no say in my successor, BS! BS. No, I, yeah, I think you definitely did. Okay. If, <laughs> and if you didn't, you should be really angry at the AD. I'm sorry, but you know what? If I coach somewhere for 45 years, for almost 50 years, if I've been on campus for 80% of my life, helping out, whether it's coaching, playing, what have you, right. you should have a say. Okay, I've run a program. And that's why I think that, you know, it's... <laughs> sooner than later, like you're giving out those mixed reactions, mm-hmm. you you can't just say that and be like, "Well, I had no say in your successor," and be like, "Well, I truly did have a say in it, and I might be retiring sooner than later, and it could very be well be next season." Mm-hmm. I think the only reason why he didn't say it this season is because he didn't want to interfere with Coach K's retirement. That's the only thing I'm I thinking. think he's of. staying. I'm sorry. I think he's staying this next year because there's rumors already Jimmy Bayheim's trying to get another year of eligibility. So we know Buddy's not going to. Buddy has outright stated this is his final year playing at Syracuse. Um, but I think he'll take one more year, Coach Buddy or Coach Jimmy, I mean, and 
then he's just going to say, you know what, let's hang it up. We're done. Um, you know, I've coached my children. Yeah, you probably Maybe. are right. I Why think he's you? mostly there so he can coach his kids and yeah. then probably yeah. say, you know what, I, I coached my kids. I've been here long enough to coach my kids. I'm done. I think that's the only thing that blew up the first initial retirement that was supposed to happen after the 2018 season. If... To be honest, I think that's the only thing that blew it up. Everyone said, oh, well, Jim Beheim, you know, like, Jim, or Jim outright said, I had no say in all this, and I decided to return. Trust me, I think he drove Mike Hopkins out, because Mike Hopkins knew, okay, this is going to be my team in 2018-2019. And Jim Beheim said, well, now I have a chance to coach my kids, I want to coach this team. And I think Mike simply just said, you know what? Then I'm going to take this other job that I was just offered. And to be honest, I hope it's Mike Hopkins that is the successor. Because Mike Hopkins, again, deserves it. But the issue with him is age. Same with Adrian Autry. He's 51 years old. If you're looking long-term, I would certainly hope it's that third guy on the bench, Jerry McNamara, who also was instrumental in Syracuse's 2003 National Championship. Could be. 38 years old, should I note. 38. Probably the greatest three-point shooter in Syracuse basketball history. Um, just add to the accolades, but I mean, Adrian's a good guy too. I wouldn't be disappointed with him, but I've droned on too long with this takeaway. So let me move on because I've clearly let this one expire. Um, Cliff Kingsbury has been extended in Arizona. This essentially eliminates his hot seat rumors. Of course, I thought for sure next year was going to be a hot, hot seat season for him. I'm sure you did. Um, oh, yeah, big time. And on top of it, Cliff Kingsbury might have just burned a lot of bridges for future employment because he outright just stated he would never take another job in college football ever again. First off, huh. you don't... <laughs> to me, where do you get off saying that? Okay, you going to can I just leave what two years <laughs> as where, a coach? Where the hell do you get off saying that? Okay, here's the thing if anyone has, if anyone in your division has the leverage to say that, it's three, co or I'm sorry, there are three coaches in your division who have the leverage to say that, and it's not you. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> Pete Carroll has the leverage to say that because he's got Super Bowls to his name, and on top of it, let's face it, he's near retirement anyway. Who gives a shit what he has to say? <laughs> you know, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan, he's a guy who's going to always bounce on his feet in the NFL, so he doesn't ever have to worry about taking a college job. He's also made a Super Bowl. Yeah, So two. He's made two. <laughs> one is an offensive coordinator, one is a head coach. Mm -hmm. 
Granted, he choked in both of them, but on, but he's one of the greatest offensive masterminds in the NFL. So he'll always bounce back. Right. Okay. Um, then you look at Sean McVay, and let's face it, this year speaks for itself as to why Sean McVay can honestly say that. Right. Okay. Like I said, in your division, you have the least amount of room to talk that amount of trash. I mean, I didn't. I know this wasn't part of your takeaways, but the one thing that I found interesting is that Kyler Murray said how he didn't want to play with the Cardinals, but now his uh, his agent came out and said, "Well, he wants to, you know, play for the Cardinals." So I'm very confused of what's can, going on with all that. Imagine the position that this agent is in right now. Um, because I honestly think Kyler Murray has a Cliff Kingsbury problem and his agent has a super big conflict of interest problem because (laughs) get ready for this. If you don't know this, Kyler Murray's agent is also Cliff Kingsbury's agent. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, that meme where Tony Stark is just sitting outside smoking a cigarette and just like breathing heavily. Like, I think that's the meme, right? You're probably he's, right. He's I don't sitting know. Up, he's sitting up against the wall like, oh boy. You know, shirt unbuttoned. Oh, yes, yes, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. That's literally, that's literally both their age, their shared agent right there. He's just like, <laughs> I, I don't know what to do. You know, he's, you know... And personally, for him to release that incredibly huge, like, doctrine or whatever from Kyler Murray, you know, he should have just kept his mouth shut. Plain and simple. He should honestly just recuse himself from this whole drama, this whole fiasco. If if his agent knew what was good for him, he'd recuse himself, being that it's a conflict of interest, being the agent of the head coach and being an agent of the same, the same team's star quarterback. I know. Uh, right. It's a crappy the situation in Arizona, but mm-hmm. hopefully it's one that they can eventually get fixed up. You know, and Kyler Murray's a great quarterback. But again, I'm on Kyler Murray's side with this where I say he has... I'm not on his side with what his demands are. What I'm on his side with is that he's got a Cliff, uh, Cliff Kingsbury problem. Okay. Cliff Kingsbury needs to go. There's no doubt about it. Right. I mean, let's face it. This was a team that was destined, frankly, a team that should have made the NFC Championship and was very well on their way to do so. He... He, to be honest, if they negotiated this contract week number eight or week number nine of the NFL season, last season, I would have been all for it. Plain and simple. If they negotiated this with Hopkins out, with Murray out, and they were still winning, no doubt in my mind, this contract would have been inked literally that week. Right. Okay. But after seeing the meltdown that was the whole, like, last third of the season and the playoffs for the Cardinals, I can't support this. And frankly, Kyler Murray has a right to be upset. 
Yeah, I, I, I would be upset as well, too. And then I, I would actually want to leave, yeah. not stay, but no. who I, knows. I, I know we only get three takeaways, but can I just bring up this, that Deion Sanders said he would never coach in the pros because he's been linked to the Dallas Cowboys job. Um, oh, yeah, I saw that. He's right. I'm sorry. He's right about the egos of the NFL players. And it looks like he's got a really humble program over at Jackson State. Yeah. I mean, he's not wrong, honestly. Plus, the Cowboys are just too... <laughs> are just a disaster anyway. So who would want to even coach them in the first place? Hmm. Yeah. As far as, so, far as that, I guess we'll just... Well, go on to the FIFA news. Yeah, so again, we normally don't like talking um this whole political, you know, stuff especially right. with the war in Ukraine going on. Um but I feel that this is something that needs to be talked from the sports aspect, not from the political yes. aspect. Um FIFA has suspended Russia indefinitely from competition. And this is due to the Ukraine invasion. There are other major sanctions on other sports. Um, I know out of turn four, we've been covering the Nikita Mazepin side of things. But for Russia, I mean, should they? Should we just be leaving the athletes out of this? Yeah, because it's not their fault. But, you know, because I mean, even Ovechkin's been taking heat. Honestly, I I don't think the players should get punished for it at all. Let them play it out, and if people want to boo or cheer for them, let it happen. But honestly, I would say leave the athletes out of this because it's not their fault that you know their home countries are fighting each other. But I will say what I did like is that Alex Len is actually from Ukraine, hmm. and. When the I forgot what team he plays for, oh, I think he plays for the Kings. When the Kings and whatever team that they were playing up against, they locked arms and shared a moment with Alex Len. That's great. And I think there was there was they were showing unity, and I liked that aspect. Hmm. They weren't you know they weren't punishing him or anybody of Russian descent. So I I, I like that. I don't get why more sports can't do that, you know, more often have that unity aspect, you know, come together instead of, you know, having a war of words with each other and all that other stuff. So, honestly, I would, I would, I, I want to make this short and sweet. I, I would think that you shouldn't punch the players out there. Let them play. And whatever happens, happens after that. Look. I can sit here all day and give you my honest-to-God opinion about the whole thing. I'm dead serious. You would probably flip this show off. You would probably immediately lose... You know, maybe you gain some respect for me. Maybe we're all on the same page. But maybe there are people who say, well, you're crazy. Um, and I know I've gotten a few of those in my lifetime, so that's all right. But um, as far as the athletes, if the athletes don't have a direct link to the Russian government, 
Here's, here's what I said about Nikita Mazepin. Nikita Mazepin's situation is unique because his dad is directly linked to Vladimir Putin, which is why he shouldn't be allowed to compete in any level um, in FIA uh, competition in Formula One. Um, he shouldn't be allowed to compete for that because his dad and his whole family are linked. Alex Ovechkin, you know, he probably should be allowed to compete because he's not directly linked. He's not the one giving the advice to attack. The other athletes, why are we punishing them is the bottom line. Okay. Why are we punishing athletes that don't have any link? You know, the athletes that are in the U.S. that have no link to this whatsoever literally are just trying to play their sport. I, I just can't get behind that. So, again, I think it just depends on politically. Again, I didn't want to tie in the politics, but if you're directly linked to them, yeah, you should be forced to sit out. It's a security risk. Right. Okay, but I think that's a good point to leave off on. I think yeah. we both kind of, I think based on what we both said, we both agree on this whole thing. Um, anyway, when we come back, we'll talk some NCAA, we'll talk MLB, and then we'll have Tinkle on this. We'll be right back after this. Coach K, he coached his final game over at the Cameron Indoor Stadium. Should I just say the ticket prices? I'm not sure if you saw the average ticket price, but it was no. almost five grand. Today's <laughs> final game. And you know what? Those 1,100 wins. He's had five national championships. Rightfully so. I mean, yes, but <laughs> I mean, for a college game, that's a whole bunch scalpers. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to say this now. That is outrageous prices for the freaking Bears yeah. to have. Yeah, this, was, <laughs> this was last night's game at 6 o'clock. Of course, we don't have any highlights. We don't have any notes on what happened last night. So if you have it on your DVR, once again, you luck out. You don't get to hear spoilers here. Um, so I guess what we'll propose is the question instead um, with Duke ranked in the top six or top ten, are they a viable um, threat to win the title in his final year? It wouldn't shock me. I mean, it, it, it didn't shock me that Duke was back into the fold after, you know, last season of really not being in it. So it was only a matter of time when Duke was going to be back into the fold of that, you know, the, the tournament itself. As far as winning it all and winning the national championship, um, it's still kind of too early to tell if it's going to happen. But as of right now, it really wouldn't shock me if that happens because what better way to ride out your last year with a national championship win? So, yeah, I think there's a good possibility but Baylor of course is still a threat Villanova's a threat there's you know to be honest there's six teams Auburn especially that could win this well Villanova has been a threat for a good amount of yeah. years I mean but 
you know, <laughs> if any if, if anybody is to know of a certain someone that has been on a Philadelphia team that's won two national championships before he entered the league and doing amazing stuff for the Mavs, it was Jalen Brunson. So, um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I think Duke's got a good program. I just don't think they're going to be the same kind of team after well, Coach K well, retires. But well, of course, you know. Nothing against his successor, and his successor absolutely deserves the shot to be a head coach in an elite program. You know, I i mean, you sat on the bench with Coach K for years. You deserve to get that promotion. But, of course, he doesn't have the resume Coach K has, and it's going to show growing pains. But, you know, ultimately this could work out long term is what I want to get at. Um, I mean, as long as he uses the same kind of system as Coach K, yeah. I can't see why he can't be, you know, but is can't he the work same, out. But is he the same style coach? That's going to ultimately what plays mm-hmm. factor. Every coach is going to have a different style, so probably yeah. not. So, uh, you know, personally, they are a team to beat, but of course, you got to factor in, too, that Baylor is going to be the team to beat until someone beats them. Exactly. National I mean, champions for a reason. Um, <laughs> even though that was totally shocking last year, we didn't think that was going to happen. <laughs> and uh, Tell you course, should I note Selection Sunday is next Sunday. Um, it'll be March 13th. I believe it's at 6 p.m. I won't be here for this. So we'll probably have a show, you know, where we discuss the bracket. I don't know yet. We're still figuring things out here. Um, mm. You know, I know we're coming up last second on March Madness, but we'll figure something out. Um, I certainly would love to reveal brackets on here, but it's all going to depend on our schedules and whatnot. Exactly. Um, yeah. But um, MLB-wise, no deal was reached to end the lockout by the Monday deadline. Um, opening day, to my knowledge, it was a threat, and I believe it's following through, where opening day will be canceled. Um, the NFLPA actually weighed in. Believe it or not, the NFL weighing in for their MLB uh, colleagues there and saying that they condemn what the owners are doing. Um, I believe the Universal DH was mentioned, the pitch clock. That's a few minor things, but I think it's on the compensation end in terms of, like, guaranteed contracts and whatnot that I believe are holding it up. I, I haven't read too much into it, but mm-hmm. um, we won't have 162 games this year. What are your thoughts here? Why is it always got to be about money for these players? I, I yeah. get it. But that... why, why do the owners got to take 90% of the greed? Because you kind of answered your own question with what you said. It's because of their greed. They're very greedy. They think that they should be paid more than the players, which I don't think is right at all. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. I think the players should be compensated very well for what it is. But when you're also in a league that's not su- super very widely popular, yes, it's America's pastime and has been around a lot longer than any they other sport. More money. Just saying, they got a lot more money to throw away than football and basketball, obviously. And usually sign 
a hell of a lot longer deals than yeah. other sports do too. I mean, usually ten to thirteen years. Usually the length of their contracts, it's, not always, but um, it's a sport as, as more far longevity. as not reaching a deal, and it's it's kind of ridiculous. Like you know. Now, now there's a threat that you know you know don't even know if there's even going to be an actual season. Well, um, I'm sure they're eventually going to come to a deal, but as of right now, it could be literally half the season. Like they could be like halfway into the actual 2022 season before there's even a deal reached yeah. out. I'm sure eventually they'll come up to terms like, all right, fine, we'll give you this kind of compensation for it along with all the other rules that they came in place. But as of right now, it's always the question if, you know, the players are always going to be, you know, wanting their end, and the owners are always going to want, you know, to come together with the players and agree on something for a, co a collective bargaining agreement. But as far as this, I mean, I guess I'm grateful that at least we're going to still get minor league action, and they're the big winners. You know, nobody wins with them. I'll be locked out. But, you know, I shouldn't say that, or I shouldn't say that anybody wins by it. But let's face it, the minor leagues win, okay? Because let's face it, now we have a summer, potentially, with no baseball, the minor leagues are going to get the exposure that they normally wouldn't get. On top right. of it, the people that don't, or that spend the money to go to these MLB stadiums, the people that need to be in the stands at least for a couple games a year, they are for sure going to buy those minor league tickets. You know, they're going to want to be a part of the action. And, mm -hmm. you know, ultimately, like I said, minor leagues win at the end of the day. Is all no. It's terrible to say anybody wins in this situation, but they well, do. The thing is, I want, I want to know is because of the lockout still happening, could some of the pros, while this is happening, so, could they play in the minor league? That's so, what I want to know. So this is my understanding. Of course, baseball has a 40-man roster. This includes the 20, 25 that are in the majors and then 15 minor leaguers. Those are the players that can get called up throughout the year. Um, I believe without waivers, they can be called up throughout the year. Um, and the ones that are not on the 40-man roster are not represented by the MLB, MLB Players Association. Um, they are technically not a part of the MLB roster. Mm -hmm. So because they're not and they're not a part of the MLBPA, they can play this summer. Um, you know, so that is why I believe, if, I, if I'm saying this correctly, I'm trying to piece it together here, um, that is why minor leagues can still play, but major leagues cannot. It's honestly crazy what's going on with all of that. I mean... You're probably right. I think the attendance a lot higher than it has in the years past because people are still going to want to see baseball. It won't be major leagues. It'll be minor leagues, but I think that's what's going to draw people to start coming to the minor league games because, hey, yeah, we don't have 
major leagues, but at least we still have baseball to see. So I think that's what's going to draw people is like, hey, well, you know, because of all this happening, I can still at least go out and see games. It just won't be at the same kind of caliber, the same kind of competitive nature to the extent of what the major leagues bring. But as of right now, I don't think there's ever going to, I don't think there's going to be a time frame as of right now where they're going to end this, this lockout. Mm-hmm. It could happen for a majority of this year or the majority of the remainder of the year. I think it's, it wouldn't shock me if, you know, they don't end up getting something until at least the summertime, honestly. I mean, yeah, I would, it all depends uh, on if the owners are willing to budge and, yeah, you know, compensate the players of what they think that they should be making. Yeah. So now, now one development that did happen this week, aside from the lockout on the baseball side, I didn't have this in our notes, but when we do return, we'll be without a CEO of a current baseball team. Um, can I just say real quick, Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson, um, you know, hell, I'll even add Tom Coughlin into this. Um, what do those, and John Elway, what do those four have in common with Derek Jeter besides being at the top, you know, the top level of their sports? Don't they all, don't they own a baseball team or something like that? Or are they all owners? But are they the best? Um, definitely not. <laughs> yep. Derek Jeter has stepped down as the CEO of the Miami Marlins um, after trading away half his team to the New York Yankees, after trading away after trading away Giancarlo Stanton to the Yankees, is what I should say, um, after years of 100 lost seasons, um, borderline playoffs, two fans in the stands at most, and no, I'm not talking about the COVID season. Um, so that's kind of bad. <laughs> let's just face it. That was doomed to fail from the start compared to the others. I mean, Tom Coughlin at least was expected to have some success in Jacksonville building him up. Right. But with a name like Michael Jordan, you're expected to have success and the NASCAR side, he's Ooh. having success. Don't get me wrong. The horns are not exactly or, terrible. Yeah, but they're not good either. <laughs> yeah, the Hornets, uh, you know, they're getting there. Um, yeah, they're getting there. I guess that's what I'll say. Work in progress. Um, what was the other one I mentioned? Oh, John Elway. Well, we all know what happened with the Broncos after Peyton Manning. <laughs> so I know they're looking for their number one quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's get on to Tinkle on this. So initially, I had a really good one. While we were on break, Jason found one, and this is actually breaking news in terms of Friday night. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll let you see this, is, this one. You're the this one. This is I crazy. So, um, so the Warriors, or not the Warriors, um, the Timberwolves and the OKC Thunder were playing on the, in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City, and they were wearing, of course, you know, their city uniforms, which... The whole court looks all gray and white and stuff like that. I don't know. But 
as it was seen, um, Timberwolves player there, McLaughlin, ended up stealing the ball. Think you know, thinks he's gonna have a very easy layup to find out that the OKC cleanup crew is still on the court. They're mid game, and he misses the the wide open layup because he had to worry about trying to not be in the way and injure any of the cleanup crew. And for that, and for that, that's a tinkle on this. But okay, see, let's, cleanup crew. Let's, let's clarify though. Is it as much on the cleanup crew as it is on the referees for not stopping the game while they saw the cleanup oh, crew there? I think it's more so on the refs because they should have stopped the action okay. so that they could have them clean up that area and they resumed play. No, no. If they saw they were still on the court and they saw how quick the players were running down the court toward the cleanup crew, they probably should have blown it dead instead of costing a team two points out of it. Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, as much as I want to blame the cleanup crew, and the cleanup crew shouldn't have even been on in the first place. It was live ball right there. Um, but at the same time, I guess at the risk of a player slipping and breaking an ankle, because then that would have been a whole different tinkle on this we would have had this week. Um, oh, I know. So, I don't know. To me, you got to blame the refs more. So, I'm going to lean more toward the refs when I say tinkle on this. For the week. Yeah, think on this to those stupid M- NBA refs mm-hmm. for even allowing that to even happen in the first place. Yeah. Um, oh, my we gosh. Got, we got just a little more time, so I'll let you tell us what, what's coming up on um, No Final Bell this week. Big All right, week, so I guess. No Final Bell is now, it, it will for only at least this one time, or it, may, it, it might be for at least pay-per-views going forward. So what we're going to do is have a the regular show where you know it's all wrestling and stuff like that, and we're actually going to have a pay-per-view special for for the Revolution pay-per-view. Let's, let's so let's be clear: this is not a pay-per-view to watch the show. Um, I no no no. no. I just want to be clear, just because some people struggle with the wording, so. It is not, we will never, ever make you guys pay for videos, at least not now. No, 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 no. We will not be making anybody pay for this video whatsoever. It will still be free as, like, the other ones. It's just, we're, we're going to be talking about the paid pay-per-view. Um, if, if you do want to watch it, it's, you know, it's on Bleacher Report. It's on Fight TV internationally, so... Now, if, if you're big into the pay-per-views, which usually, you know, we've, Marty and I have been watching the pay-per-views and they, the action's a lot better than the actual, sh- you know, shows itself. I would highly recommend it on my end, but as far as that, that's what the plan is for, for there. I still, we still had to work out the details, but I just thought I would say on here, that is the plan. <laughs> Pointing to that corner. That's how you'll know what's going on. The Facebook at Tinkle Sports. Yes. Um, so just wanted to point that out to our video viewers. Um, but as far as no, our uh, as far uh, as our turn four, what is going on with that, Brian? Right. So I missed something, and this was actually our initial tinkle on this. So. Consolation prize goes to Scott McLaughlin celebrating his IndyCar victory. 
And he jumps off the car, wipes out on the ground. Hey, I'm sure he wasn't feeling it then because he was just happy he won the race. Oh, I'm but sure he's feeling it now. <laughs> he's feeling it now. Um, and he's testing over in Texas, I believe, right now. But coming up, on out of turn four, of course, we'll recap the Vegas race weekend, um, the second race of the West Coast Swing for NASCAR. Um, we might dive a little bit deeper into the Nikita Mazepin situation, um, depending on it, if any big developments come up. We're, we, we have some news on SRX as well. We'll hope to get to, but mainly we will focus on the Vegas side of things and, of course, make our predictions for the final leg of the west coast swing at phoenix so again 5 p.m eastern for us on youtube and facebook watch um for out of turn four um for jason's um no final bell there i believe it's 5 p.m eastern you guys are still planning on yeah so YouTube. what we're planning on is so for the regular show probably I want to say probably at least like earlier before 5 p.m. And then the pay-per-view special at 5 before Rampage or before Dynamite premieres, you know, the same night. Because Dynamite is usually always at 8 p.m. So we'll recap the week, you know, prior, mm -hmm. probably earlier in the same day. And then probably later at the 5 p.m. slot will be the pay-per-view special yeah. talk about the events that'll lead into, you know, the whole new cycle before the next pay-per-view in May. So, I didn't want to, you know, confuse everybody of everything that was going on there. That's that's going to be the plan is, you know, the week before everything that way, earlier, mm -hmm. same day, and then later, in the, later on Wednesday, we'll be recapping the pay-per-view before you know, the new week of, of, of action. So again, just noting where I'm pointing, I just want to be sure you all see it. I know I'm, I look like I'm like insane yeah, pointing like that but on the social media. Yeah. On the Twitter and right the below Jason, you know where to follow us. So, but we want to thank you for watching selection. Sunday is next Sunday. We'll probably have a lot of conference tournaments to talk about here. Um, so just get ready. Um, and, of course, we'll be back next Sunday with Sunday Morning Tinkle. Until then, goodbye, everyone.